Welcome to Das's podcast. My name is Saho Das, and today I will be your host. Today's episode is titled "The Not So Friendly Neighborhood Clown." The inspiration for the name of this episode is because the serial killer that I am discussing today used many aspects, such as the clown act, in order to gain people's trust and then take advantage of them by drugging them, raping them, and then murdering them. Today we are going to be talking about none other than John Wayne Gacy, also known as the Clown Killer, who was an American serial killer in the 70s. Before we go into the reason why he is considered a serial killer, let me give you the background on him so we can understand some of the possible motives of his crimes. John Wayne Gacy was, Jr. was born on March 17, 1942 in Chicago, Illinois. His father was an auto repair mechanist and a World War I veteran, and his mother was a stay-at-home mom. His grandparents immigrated from Poland, making him of Polish descent. As a child, he was overweight, and due to a heart condition, he was not allowed to play sports with the other children, which further alienated him from people, making him less social of a person. Gacy was very close to his two sisters and his mother. However, he was not as close to his father. His father was an alcoholic, and his father would beat him and abuse him regularly. Gacy claimed as if he felt he was never good enough in his father's eyes. His mother attempted to protect him, but he got called a mama's boy, and many thought that this would turn him into a homosexual. Once, in 1949, he was caught sexually molesting a girl, and when his father found out, he beat him with a razor. In the same year of 1949, he was molested by a family friend who would take Gacy into his truck and touch him. He never told his father about this encounter because he thought that his father would blame him for it. Gacy was hospitalized on and off between the ages of 14 to 18. The amount of school he missed was the reason that he had very poor grades. While his mother and sisters knew that the illness was in fact real, his father told Gacy, even when he was on the hospital bed, that he was just faking it in order to gain sympathy from him. All these events in his childhood paint a picture that he had it very rough growing up. At the age of 18, Gacy decided to become a Democratic candidate. Out of his father's happiness, his father gave him a car, and one day in 1962, Gacy just drove off to Las Vegas. In Vegas, he found a job working in a mortuary, which is essentially just a funeral home. One day, he opened a teenage boy's coffin and touched the dead body and caressed it. Embarrassed, he called his mom and asked if he could return home. He then returned home and attended a college despite having poor grades. He attended the Northwestern Business College. In 1964, he got married to Marilyn Myers. That same year, Myers' father purchased three KFCs and Gacy was offered to work there for a decent amount of money. He was offered about $120,000 in today's money. Gacy went up in the company, had two children with Myers, and even served on the board of directors for that city. His parents came to visit him and his father apologized for mistreating him, stating, Son, I was wrong about you. This led to Gacy believing that he had a perfect life as he got his father's approval now. Even though everything seemed good for Gacy and that he was like a good guy, on the low, he was involved with drugs, prostitution, and many other illegal activities. Before we continue, here's a word from our sponsor. As I was researching this interesting individual, I came across the site wikipedia.com which allows anyone in the world to contribute to it, making it the world's largest free encyclopedia. Alrighty, we are back with more on John Wayne Gacy. 
As I was saying, while everyone thought he was a good guy, he was involved with some really shady activities. In 1967, he committed his first crime that he was charged for. He sexually assaulted a teenage boy and tried to pay him to keep quiet. The boy, however, 15-year-old Donald Voorhees, escaped and informed the police. Casey was arrested and put under psychology tests. However, the doctors concluded at this time that he was mentally stable to undergo a trial. He was sentenced to 10 years in prison. His wife also divorced him and he never saw the kids again. According to a prison, according to the prison, he was a model prisoner. I believe, however, this was an act and he just really wanted to get out of prison as fast as he could in order to seek revenge. In 1969, Gacy's father died of a liver failure. When he was told the news about this, he fell to the floor and sobbed. I feel like he reacted so emotionally because years ago, for the first time ever, his father was proud of him and it made him feel very important that he was worth, in his life he was worth something to someone. He requested to have a leave from prison in order to attend his father's funeral, however, this request was denied. I feel that his father's death, as well as not even being able to attend the funeral, really angered him and motivated him how to, to act out of control. In 1970, he was granted parole. Casey had raped many victims in his probation, however, he was never sentenced. Once he moved back to Chicago, he moved into a neighborhood and it was very active and helpful in the community. To me, this was clearly an act in order to gain people's trust as the nice guy. The fact that he became a clown and performed at children's hospitals and events was the cherry on top for people in trusting him, which further made him seem like less of a suspect for things. Before I get into the juicy part on how he was given the title of a serial killer, here is another word from one of our sponsors. History.com has many detailed pages on people from history, famous and infamous such as John Wayne Gacy, as well as many notable events that occurred in history. You should really go check it out. And now we're back. Before I discuss the actual case, I would like to give a disclaimer that the information discussed before was just a background of Gacy's personal and early childhood life and hopefully a way to clear things up for the main killings and horrible things that he actually did. The first murder all started when one of the boys had been cutting something and went to go wake up Gacy but had a knife in his hand and forgot about it. Gacy had not realized that the boy didn't mean any harm with the knife in his hand and in self-defense, he took the knife from the boy and stabbed him to death. This murder was actually a mistake. However, it gave Gacy a huge adrenaline rush, which made him feel really good, which is why he continued to kill innocent boys. With that out of the way, let's get into the trial. In the trial, he confessed to killing 29 boys and burying their bodies underneath his own home, and he even confessed to throwing four other bodies into the Del Plains River. The reason that he confessed was because police searched his neighborhood for a missing boy that was last seen with Gacy and they smelled something horrible coming from underneath his house. During the trial, they were not trying to prove if he did the murders or not because he had already confessed to them, but rather evaluate his mental state. The sole victim that got him arrested was a 15-year-old boy named Robert Peace. However, there were 32 other victims. I would like to name them all out of respect. Timothy Jack McCoy, John Buckovich, Daryl Julius Sampson, Randall Wayne Reffitt, Samuel G. Dodd Stapleton, Michael Bonin, William Huey Carroll Jr., 
James Byron Hackhassen, Rick Johnson Keith, Ray Parker, Michael Moreno, William George Bundy, George Gregory John Godzik, John Allen Sizik, John Stephen Prestige, Matthew Bowman, Robert Edward Gilroy Jr., John Anthony Mowry, Russell Lloyd Nelson, Robert Winch, Tommy Joe Bowling, David Paul Talsma, William Wayne Kinnard, Timothy D. Oruk, Frank William Landington, James Mazzara, Robert Jerome Peace. Six other bodies were unidentified. All 33 of the murders took place in nine, from 1972 to 1978, and they were all sex-related murder charges, as well as the geographic locations that they all occurred in was his hometown in Chicago, Illinois, and four of the bodies that he confessed to were found in the Del Plains River. This potentially goes back to his troubled past with being molested and his curiosity with homosexuality, as all of his victims were males. The reason that he was a suspect in the peace situation, the investigation that basically got him caught for all other 32 murders, was because he was last seen with peace before he disappeared. At first, Gacy had actually not confessed and lied about peace not being in his house. However, peace mom said that there was a receipt in his pocket, and sure enough, the receipt was found at a later date in Gacy's house, and it was used as a piece of forensic evidence to prove that peace was in fact in Gacy's house. This case is the second time that he had undergone psychology testing. The reason he went through it is because that he told police that it was an alter ego of his that had killed those people. The tests were found to be inconclusive and that he did not in fact have a mental disorder. Before we get into the outcome of the case, here's a word from our sponsor. Biography.com has a profile of everyone who has contributed something to history, including those who took away from history, such as John Wayne Gacy. You should really go check it out. And we are back. I know you guys are all eager to learn the outcome of the case. Because of the outcome of his psychology test ruled that he had no mental disorder and was sane to be at a trial, he was found guilty of committing 33 murders and was to serve 12 death sentences and 21 life sentences. Some of you might be thinking, how can he be serving this many sentences? And the reason that he was given many life and death sentences was because each individual murder gave him a sentence and this provided to closure to the family of each victim and not just treating it as one case because so many people's lives were affected. Despite trying to plead the case, he was executed by lethal injection on May 10, 1994. Something interesting I found was that his last meal was a pound of strawberries, 12 fried shrimp, and a bucket of KFC french fries. His last words before he died was kiss my ass. The reason that he meets serial killer criteria is because a serial killer kills at least three people. He had killed 33 and possibly even more that he had not confessed to, and he killed them in a different time and places. All of the murders were over a six-year span. <clears throat> the execution of Gacy brings an interesting question to the table. If he was found to be mentally insane, is it just that he lives or does gets out of jail? To give my personal thoughts on this, I believe that he should not have this happen. 
The death of Gacy got brought closure to many of the families that had to suffer because of him. There's also the concern, just like he acted like a model prisoner for the first time he went into prison and got probation, that he could act normal and be released from a mental, mental hospital and ruin even more lives. While I do feel the punishment was just for his crime, I feel like there was a motive for his crimes. <clears throat> As I went into detail about his troubled childhood, it seems this tr it seems all this trauma most likely caused him to do this. As a child, he felt very weak and he never got anyone's approval. I feel like this led him to weak pick weaker victims as all were underage and abused, raped, and killed them because it gave him a sense of dominance over them. Another interesting factor to look at is called modus operandi. This is defined as being a particular way of doing something, kind of like a method. Gacy, in fact, did have a modus operandi. He would lure young men in with the promise of a job opportunity. He would tell the boys that he wanted to hire them and it would invite them to his, his house. He would then drug them, rape them, and kill them. After killing them, he would take their bodies and bury them into a crawl space. A crawl space was an area under a home that helped with air circulation around this time. This was the method that he used and it worked all 29 times with four bodies being dumped in the river near his homes. One of his signatures was to handcuff victims after they had been killed, as police found all victims with their hands in cuffs. He would pretend that the handcuffs were a magic trick, and since the boys trusted them and were probably already drugged and thought he was just being friendly, they complied and didn't realize this is what he always did. <clears throat> Something that ponders my mind is how when police was investigating in his neighborhood, how only the police was able to smell a pungent odor and not the neighbors living there. Upon further research, however, I found that many favors did in fact point towards him being as a suspect. However, the police did not look into it as first. Before I get into the criminal profile of Casey, here is a final word from one of our sponsors. CrimeMuseum.com is a place that has detailed information about serial killers as well as other criminals. You should really check it out. And we are back from that last commercial break. The last formal topic of this podcast will be Gacy's criminal profile. A criminal profile helps to identify personality traits as well as physical traits of a person. John Wayne Gacy was a white male who was overweight at about 205 pounds, was 5 foot 8, had a mustache, as well as dark brown hair. Some personality traits of his was a certain charm and charisma surrounding him. This allowed him to gain victims' trust and use it to his advantage, as I mentioned multiple times before. Something interesting I wanted to note was a documentary that I was watching about Gacy. The documentary's name was Monster in My Family, Killer Clown. It's on YouTube, and if you want to learn even more detail about Gacy, I highly recommend you watch it. In the documentary, one of Gacy's sisters went to visit the sister of Robert Pierce 35 years later because she was not able to speak to anyone because of legality issues. When they met, Gacy's sister expressed remorse for her brother's action and teared up while telling Pierce's sister this. Pierce's sister responded that in no way does she blame her or her family for what Gacy did to her. <clears throat> this really opened my eyes as we always think about how the killer affects the victim's family, but never about how it affects the killer's family as well. This was revealed when both of them had felt like they had lost a brother, Pierce's sister physically because Gacy murdered him, 
And although at this time Gacy had been executed, his sister was talking about losing him emotionally. Another interesting thing I found that is in prison, Gacy took up oil painting and would usually paint pictures of clowns, one saying a clown can get away with murder. Well, that's it for today's podcast. This was Saho Das on John Wayne Gacy, the not-so-friendly neighborhood clown. I hope you enjoyed the podcast and be sure to come back next week for some more interesting content.